Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one dignified page of Talmud each day. I was studying today's page, Bava Kama 91, while riding the subway here in my hometown, New York City. I was particularly taken with this following question. The Gemara explains the two possibilities. He says his opinion as a leniency, teaching that there is a poor person who doesn't need to take so much payment for humiliation, as detailed in the fixed sums of the Mishnah. Or perhaps he says his opinion as a stringency, teaching that there is a rich person whom the assailant needs to give him more than those fixed sums. In other words, if the rabbis agree that one must compensate a person for offending his or her honor, must the payment be greater, they ask? Should one insult a rich individual who is accustomed to being treated with a lot of respect always by everyone? And must it be lesser? Should one insult someone who is poor and therefore not treated very respectfully by anyone anyway? It's a great question. And here is how the rabbis answer it. The Gemara suggests, come and hear a proof from that which Rabbi Akiva says in the Mishnah. Even with regard to the poor of the Jewish people, they are viewed as though they were free men who lost their property and were impoverished, and their humiliation is calculated according to this status, as they are the sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and are all of prominent lineage. Conclude from Rabbi Akiva's statement that the first Tanah says his opinion as a leniency, meaning that while the first Tanah states the principle that payment for humiliation is in accordance with the honor of the one who was humiliated, and therefore a poor person will receive less than the fixed sums listed in the Mishnah, Rabbi Akiva responds that even a poor man is deserving of those fixed sums by virtue of his esteemed lineage. The Gemara affirms, conclude from the Mishnah, that this is so. Rabbi Akiva, in other words, reminds us that since we are all the children of the illustrious Abraham, we all deserve great respect, as is befitting the inheritors of a great and glittering tradition that, for one reason or another, may have temporarily lost some of their properties. It's a stunning call to recognize the inherent dignity of all human beings, and it moved me profoundly. And then... I looked up for my Gemara, and I saw a young woman with a very small baby begging her fellow riders to buy a bag of peanut M&Ms so that she and her child may have something to eat. It was clear that she was one of the hundreds of thousands of undocumented migrants who arrived to New York these last few months. It was also very clear that she was very scared. It's easy to say, as we so often do, that the main problem we need to address when offering help to the less fortunate in our midst is the problem of poverty. When we talk about the poor, our language grows clinical, prescriptive, cold. We talk about jobs and policies and solutions as if we're just moving figures from one column to another. And that's not entirely wrong. The problem of poverty is, first and foremost, the problem of access to resources or lack thereof. And we should do whatever we can to address it at its core. But there's another problem too, a problem that our sage rabbis remind us of on today's duff. It's the problem of dignity. Years ago, the writer and activist Jonathan Glennie wrote a piece in The Guardian that stayed with me. 
It is not uncommon for dignity to be rolled out in the opening salvo of UN documents, but it is a concept seldom contemplated in depth, he wrote. Dignity, he continued, is a word that overturns traditional assumptions about North and South, developed and developing. While charity is bestowed by the haves to the have-nots, dignity does not work like that at all. If I fail to treat someone with dignity, it is me, not them, who is undignified. The dignity lens introduces an irony whereby the less developed can actually be more dignified. In this way, development becomes a truly global endeavor, not by the quote-unquote developed for the quote-unquote developing, but by all for all to achieve the dignity of all. And that is why I think, Glennie concludes, that we should embed dignity properly understood of the heart of the sustainable development goals by casting global goals as universal, not to be met only by poor countries, but by all countries. This new agenda also seeks to end the rhetoric of us and them. Amen to that. Here's hoping that next time we see those in need, we not only help them, but also remember the wise counsel of Rabbi Akiva, reminding us that we're all the children of the same great dad, all inherently possessing and deserving of the greatest dignity. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do, then you are really going to love the new book just published by me. It's called How the Talmud Can Change Your Life, Surprisingly Modern Advice from a Very Old Book. You can order it now at your local bookstore or directly from the publisher through the link in this here podcast description or through that big online store whose logo is, you know, a smile. As always, please go rate and review Take One on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. You could get your Take One t-shirts and mugs and other swag at tabletstudios.com and you could subscribe to our weekly newsletter at tabletm.ag slash take one newsletter. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Robert Scaramucci, Courtney Hazlett, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic.